0: Marriage on a Tightrope supports couples in strengthening their mixed-faith marriage.
1: Visit tightropemarriage.org to make a recurring donation and learn more about the mixed-faith community. Hello everyone and welcome to Marriage on a Tightrope. I'm Alan. And I'm Katie. And we are still married. It is December 23rd, the day that we are recording, uh, Sunday, December 23rd, and we are so excited to be back with you with a, I don't know if I'd call it special, but a Christmas Episode, if if you will, um, we're going to talk a little since, bit about that.
0: It's been a while since we recorded.
1: It's true, especially without another couple on. So it's just the two of us today, and we wanted to wish everyone a happy holidays, a merry Christmas, and uh, talk about uh, basically an update that we've had. And so let's get to it.
0: Before we get into it, I just want to make a plug for our Instagram account. So we are marriage on a tightrope on Instagram. Don't worry. I am not going to friend you and like, we're not going to comment marriage on a tightrope is not going to comment on your family photos or anything else. We don't follow anyone. It's basically just a place where you can go to get updates on episodes coming out to get pictures of the awesome guests that we've had on so far and to get, an update from us. I think I gave away a couple weeks ago, I gave away a really beautiful necklace online and all you had to do was comment. And I only got like 14 comments. And so your chances were really good of winning the necklace. And the necklace was this path to life necklace that anyway, I loved. And so there's a one out of many reasons why you should follow us on Instagram. Also we do just in between Uh, updates of alan and i and what's going on so anyway there's my plug go follow us on instagram then you can get more of us well maybe that's why people don't join they don't want more of us yeah
1: Yeah. i get it (laughs) yeah you know if you want more than just even our instagram gives you can come over and knock on our door um i'll give you my work address if you want to come say hi at work to
0: people, so here's the thing, this is weird, people, some people know our last name, but some other people don't know our last name.
1: And I think for a while we were trying to be semi-anonymous, but one of the updates that we're giving today is actually us being a little more public about who we Maybe are. that's why. Not just outside of this, I mean, about outside of this episode or this podcast, but also on our personal Facebook and Instagram accounts, so that's something that we are going to talk about a little later. So I think, do you want to tell everyone our last name?
0: Maybe we'll save that for later.
1: Later on this episode? Yes. Like some great reveal just, or something? You just
0: have to like keep listening until you know our last name. Which... Stay
1: tuned for our last name. <laughs> oh, geez. How self-righteous and self-obsessed do we sound? <laughs>
0: Mount Our last name is Mount (laughs) Just rip it off M-O-U-N-T
1: That's right Mount
0: Alan and Katie Mount That's
1: right Uh, I'm on Facebook If you want to follow my personal Facebook You can Or add me as a friend I'd love to chat with you there A number of you have And Katie Do you want to talk about your Instagram?
0: I'm not on Facebook I know That's why I said Instagram I'm on Instagram So marriage on a tightrope Or I mean I guess you could follow my personal Facebook It's Katie Mount And I spell my name with two T's So it looks like Caddy Mm. You know, like mean girls.
1: Yeah, two T's and catty. I'm two L's with Alan, so we're both double letters. Yeah, but at least didn't people... want to make it easy for, for But at, at least people
0: can pronounce your name. People can't... They'll say Caddy, and it's just awesome.
1: Absolutely. So, Katie yeah.
0: Mount. Now, Katie,
1: Caddy, we are... <clears throat> we're just two days away from, for Christians, the most religious of all holidays, so, and the
0: most secular of all holidays. and the
1: mo- it's Yeah, it is a double whammy. It's the most <laughs> secular and the most religious of all holidays for American Christians. Right. So we are, uh, I think it's, if we're going to have an episode kind of dedicated or at least have a few bullet points dedicated to the holiday, it would be this one. It would make the most sense for a mixed faith marriage couple uh, podcast. So I know that uh, you received a, uh, a question from a listener and we wanted to kind of Talk about Christmas from uh, while we answered that question. Do you want to share what that was?
0: Yeah. So I shared with someone um, about where Alan was at. And one really good question she asked is Do you celebrate Christmas in the same way as you did before? And I had to really think about that because it seems like we do. But I'm going to ask Alan, Alan, how do we celebrate Christmas? Today or this season versus past seasons?
1: That's a good question. Uh, I actually initially would say I don't think much has changed between this year and years past. I think that Christmas has kind of always been about uh, doing good for others, focusing on others, focusing on, even if it's your children, your own children, focusing on on their happiness and spending time together as a family katie today last night before we went to bed she said hey can we just not be on phones tomorrow and just spend time with the kids not that that's a christmas request but it's
0: it sure is (laughs) (laughs) we're
1: we're we're heading into a week where i don't have to work at all so we're going to be together all week and it was hey let's start this right and let's Let's be present and and not checking Facebook or checking Reddit or whatever we're we're checking, uh, or Instagram for Katie if I can say that, right? Yeah, rarely. <laughs> but when when Katie, when you told me about this question, it got me thinking about what Christmas means to me, and I think the interesting thing is a lot of times in this podcast we talk about how in many ways our marriage is much stronger having gone through. And having to sort through difficult situations in a mixed faith marriage, and the same thing is true of um, someone like me and with their personal kind of faith crisis, faith transition. Is it reemphasizes what is most important, and what it makes you reconstruct what you find the most value in. And when Christmas and Christ uh, comes to my mind, I much more focus um, my thoughts and my feelings. Uh, around how Christ treated people and the example that he gave us. I think a lot of the times the um, when there's doubts or you don't know exactly what you believe, even surrounding Christ, you think, I can always believe in that example he gave. And I can always grab onto that example and treat others the way that Christ would treat people and the way that he wants us to treat people. I don't have to... to I don't have to nobody I won't even talk about me nobody has to believe in Christ's divinity to know that it's important to treat people the way that Christ did <laughs> does that make sense yeah so um, I have absolutely no problem I have a hope and a belief that Christ's um, uh, that the traditional Christmas story that that we that we learn and celebrate about uh, but the the focus on this during the Christmas season, in years past and this year continues to be using that example that he gave us to, to treat people the way that everyone should be treated.
0: So you don't feel differently at all. Like this Christmas doesn't feel different than other Christmases.
1: No, I was, I was concerned, um, coming into this Christmas season. Uh, for example, today I was concerned. I didn't share this with you yet, but I was concerned when we went to church that today being, December 23rd, which is Joseph Smith's birthday. I was worried that they would make the church service today about him and the name wasn't even mentioned. So there there's, I think it's been kind of a non-issue for me. I've, i was, I was worried that it would, that some things would happen or that, you know, going to, to sacrament meeting today with you and the kids, I would feel like, Oh gosh. I want to be here and enjoy it, but I don't. But I really did. I really enjoyed it a lot, and it all centered on Christ and it centered on those on the songs. and I love singing, and I sang the bass line with all the hymns that we sang, and and it was great.
0: You enjoyed it so much that you actually went to two sacrament <laughs> meetings, not just with us. The but tables
1: have turned. Oh,
0: how the tables have turned! How the oh turn my tables. So you went to two different sacrament meetings, and I want you to tell everyone. Um, why the invitation was extended to you, and what did you hear at this sacrament meeting? Oh, thank you.
1: Sure. We'll talk about it a little bit later on this podcast, but uh, we, I, I received an invitation from an old friend in our ward that we moved out of about two and a half years ago, and she, she invited me to go to their Christmas program today, which was just the, the one hour, uh, she was responding to a Facebook post where I detailed my journey publicly for the first time. So we'll get there in a second. But that invitation was extended. And the reason why I went, other than I've got a lot of great friends in that ward, was she said, it's all musical. We have a number of musical numbers. And the only speaker that we have is a man that, oh, this is the bishop's wife, by the way, that was talking to me. Uh, he was my counselor in the uh, when we were in Elder together, Scorn Presidency together. Where she said, the only speaker we have is a man that my husband, the bishop, uh, ran into at Smith's. And over the last few weeks have, has been talking about God and Christ with him. He's not a member of the church, but he felt inspired to ask this man to come and speak at our Christmas program. And he said yes. And so <laughs> the only speaker today in that ward that I went to was not even a member of the church.
0: Okay, so how did it go?
1: It was really cool. It was great. He... um he said, Oh my God, a couple of times, Uh but it, you know, it felt like it was in context. So no, I don't think anybody shirked, but his, his message was all about just how God is good. And Christ is the the glue that brings us all together. It doesn't matter what you believe and what faith you have. And you can always kind of lean on, on treating people right and using his example. And that was kind of his message. and, And it was good. I think even, even for somebody that even for somebody, uh, for example, like James and Denise that we interviewed the other, the other uh, last month or so, James um, doesn't hold that belief anymore. But I don't think even James would have had an issue with, with that message that he gave because it was all just about treating each other and setting beliefs aside and, and treating each other with love and kindness. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was super cool.
0: Okay, so tell me some of the traditions that you still love to do with our family um around Christmas time that may count as religious
1: Ooh, that's a good question that may count as religious, mm-hmm. so
0: I know that serving others is is kind of a religious thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a religious thing. it's just kind of something that you and I like to do, right but is there anything else? I'm, like, thinking of something in particular, and oh, I'm just shoot. waiting for you to mention I'm it. just
1: forgetting it, apparently. But, I mean, t- traditionally, we've read the Christmas story. Mm-hmm. In years past, I don't think we do it every year, but in years past, we've gone caroling and not just the Jingle Bells songs. That's one. Uh, We've we do the twelve days of Christmas every year, but that can kind of be more secular. And this year we are doing it, but it is a little more secular this year.
0: Yes, it is.
1: So what am I missing? I'm missing something. I'm not doing it on purpose. I'm just very forgetful.
0: Uh, well, (laughs) you and I usually get tickets to go to the Tabernacle Choir. Oh, that's right. We go to the the Tabernacle
1: Choir Christmas concert, and we did this year again.
0: Dude, Chris and Chenowith is just so charismatic and charming and she was amazing
1: we were big musical fans i think we've mentioned on the show and so when we heard it was kristen we were like oh my gosh we have to go katie and i had um our anniversary was this past week and so we celebrated by spending a night in a hotel and and that was the the night that we spent the night in the hotel was the concert so i the day before the concert i got some tickets off of a friend on on facebook which was so lucky and uh we were able to go Go ahead.
0: Do do you want to talk about what happened? Sure.
1: Let's talk about it.
0: I don't know how to bring this up. Okay. So we are there at the conference center and we sit down and we had some time before it started, but then right before it started, like the tabernacle comes on and the choir members sit in their seats. And then traditionally, um, when an apostle or a prophet comes in, everyone stands so, President Nelson and his wife and Elder Oaks and his wife walked in that side door and walked down to the front and I actually couldn't see anything because my glasses weren't on at the time, and it was they were so far away from where we were sitting and I just saw everyone stand up, and I thought, "Oh, okay, so I stood up, and Alan did not
1: <laughs> i didn't I did not stand up
0: and so I, like, looked at him, like, what are you doing? And he said, who is that? And I said, I don't know. But I stood up because everyone else was standing up. And then we realized, as they made their way across the front, that it was other Nelson, President Nelson and his wife and other Oaks. And I just stood standing, and Alan did not. I didn't. And, Kay, any of you that know, like... You just can't prepare for stuff like this because you just don't know. It's like experiencing everything for the first time. This is the first time that this has ever happened where Alan just stayed put where he was. And it really bothered me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> After the concert, which was great. It was a really good concert. After the concert, uh, Katie on on the way back to the hotel asked me, So, um, why didn't you stand up? And I responded with probably the, what you would expect someone that wouldn't stand up in my position to say.
0: And he said, he asked me, why did you feel the need to stand? And I was a little bit annoyed. I'm not going to lie. And so I said, well, I'm a respectful person. So I was being respectful and that's why I stood. And he's like, okay. And I asked him the question, if if the president of the United States were to walk in the room and everyone stood up, would you stand up?
1: And I said, probably not for this president. <laughs> that's and, what I, that's what I said. And I mean, I, I, I did not remain seated to show any disrespect. Um, that's not, I wasn't in a huff. It was, I, I, I no longer recognize them as what, um, they represent. And so for me, it was I, I wasn't going to stand, and yeah. and I didn't, and it we went on, and the concert was beautiful, and it was and it was fine. It wasn't a it wasn't an issue until afterwards when we talked about it, and we got through it.
0: Right, yeah. So uh, I think that, like I said before, these are kind of things like this that come up constantly that are just like little things that. You're like, whoa, wait, what's what are you doing? Why aren't you standing? And then you, you remember why. And I think it was hard for me to not see him. Because it's just like, again, a reminder that we're on different pages. But, I mean, we, it worked its way out. But that was new to me.
1: Right. Well, we'd like to, in a, maybe in a follow-up episode, if anybody here... Uh, if. Christmas is particularly difficult. I know in some of the Facebook groups I'm in, there's a few people that have said that the last few Christmases have been difficult because of just the the difference in feeling and not knowing how to feel about it. If there is anything that is um, that is difficult that you've experienced, uh, particularly from a um, mixed faith marriage perspective, uh, we'd welcome you to email it to us at tightrope at gmail.com so we can share it with the rest of the listeners. Uh, We won't include your names unless you want them included.
0: We usually don't include them. No, we don't.
1: We won't include your names. We won't include your names. Even if you want us to. How's that?
0: (laughs) Take that. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so as Alan mentioned, it was our anniversary on the 18th. And it's a week before Christmas. And it's such a difficult time to have an anniversary because there is so much happening. But for the last month or two, I have kind of been feeling like it's been time to tell people about our story and to tell people where we're at. So our families have known for about a year. My family's known for about a year about uh, where Alan is. And really, I've only told a few close friends. And we're going to get into it in another episode, but um, Alan... Stopped going to church
1: just a couple weeks ago. Just a
0: couple weeks ago, right? But it was like I don't know. It was time. It it had been two, three years, and I mean, it was to the point where it was just better for both for both of us. And anyway, um, so our family has known for about a year. Alan's family has known for a little bit longer than that, and we I, I have. Cl- few close friends. We have a few neighbors that know, but not really the extent to what is going on. So when Alan stopped going, um I decided to tell my ward council because I'm in those meetings every week, every other week. And I think that they don't talk about it because I'm there, which is fine. But I feel really settled where we're at and what we're doing. And so I mentioned to them a few weeks ago hey, Alan's not coming anymore. He loves contact though. So feel free to reach out and talk to him. Feel free to invite him to things and feel free to ask him to serve because he really loves serving. If someone, a neighbor, someone needs something, like, please just ask him. He's very open. And they responded. I mean, it wasn't a shock to anyone in the room. They all knew, but it was more of a verbal confirmation for myself and to everyone else. Like, okay, here's here it is. This is what's going on. And now let's just move on. So after I did that, I really felt like some of the things that we talk about on our podcast um, and the people that we've interviewed have been so helpful. And many of our friends, our close friends and family, and extended family i should say um just don't know at all about anything if if you follow alan on facebook you would know he posts things that are more liberal (laughs) i don't i don't know what the way
1: what a good way to put it. i've posted a couple of you know sam young we've talked about him on this podcast i've Mm -hmm. posted about sam and and when bill real was excommunicated i posted and Um, If you're paying attention and we were connected on Facebook, you knew something was going on.
0: Right. But I'm not on Facebook. I deleted my Facebook account like three months ago, Mm -hmm. four months ago. And all I have is Instagram. And Instagram's not exactly a place where people just tell their story. Um, One of the reasons why I love it is because it's just pictures of what families are up to and where they're going and what they're doing. And I love it. And so that's kind of my way (laughs) That I get my social media in. But as the our anniversary was approaching, I knew I wanted to make a post. And so I woke up the morning of our anniversary. And I immediately, like 7 in the morning, started talking about us. And so if you don't mind.
1: Read it. I'm
0: going to read it from my personal face or instagram account i posted a picture of us in front of a whale it was alan's was work a, party work
1: <laughs> christmas party yeah, the but it's a
0: cute picture of the two of us and there's no kids hanging off of us so even better why not here's the post that i i posted it says vulnerable post ahead today we celebrate 14 years of marriage The last two years have been the hardest by far. In a nutshell, Alan has had a shift in belief, and we've been settling into that this last year. We are in what we call a mixed-faith marriage, and that comes with its own challenges. For a full year, I felt so alone. I didn't know who to talk to or what resources were out there to help me navigate my new life. I once asked a leader if there was anyone I could talk to about what I was going through that was in the same position. He told me that there wasn't. I can't tell you how utterly alone I felt when I heard that. Exactly a year ago, I told Alan that we should create a podcast where we could talk about some of the challenges that come with having a mixed-faith marriage. We started our podcast called Marriage on a Tightrope in hopes of reaching out to others who were also feeling alone. For a full year, we've received hundreds of emails, talked on the phone, met couples in person, and have had the podcast running all to encourage marriages about how they can still work despite their differences. It's been like going to therapy for a year. One thing I have felt so deeply in my heart is empathy. Empathy for those who are going through something similar and empathy for anyone who doesn't fit the mold. About a year and a half ago, someone commented to me that I must have such a wonderful life because I travel so much and I look so happy. Honestly, that was a wake-up call to me. I never wanted to project a life that was worry-free. I stopped posting and deleted my Facebook account. At that time, I was so down, and I realized I wasn't being authentic, yet I knew I couldn't say a single word to anyone. Alan and I sat down last night, lamenting on the vast 14 years. We have grown so close through all of this. Alan continues to be our rock-solid everything. He still teaches the kids daily, reads scriptures, and testifies of God and Jesus Christ, and supports me in my calling as the primary president. He has been just as patient, loving, and kind in this process. He adds so much joy to our lives. I love you so much. Happy 14. Aww. Aww. I love you too. So I I posted that on our, on our anniversary in the morning time. And um, it was really freeing that I didn't feel like I was keeping a secret anymore. I think a year ago, actually, in our, during our first podcast, I felt like that we were keeping something from someone, like we weren't being truly honest. And I told Alan just the week before I had gone to lunch with some friends and our sons, and they had been playing. And it, they asked me uh, what calling Alan had, because we were kind of talking about church stuff. And I didn't know how to answer or respond, because that's a really tough subject. How do you get into three years worth right.
1: of... It's like, oh my gosh, we've got 10 minutes and... And, yeah. and I've got a two hour yeah. explanation
0: right like it's not it's just it, anything you say is gonna sound so trite in you know if unless you have a lot of time to explain and so I didn't say anything and then um, one of the women found my podcast just haphazardly I guess you could say and and then sent me this email about how much she loved me and how she had you know listened to it and that felt so good to me and I just knew that, you know, whether people thought it would be helpful to them or not, I just wanted to put it out there. And I didn't want to feel ashamed or I didn't want to feel awkward about having to answer questions about Mm -hmm. why my husband doesn't have a calling or go to church with us or sit at church with us. And since I kind of figured, you know, Our families have had time to process through this. We've had time to process through it. We told the ward. It was just time to do. And I was really grateful for the really um, respectful and loving comments I got, as well as people who private messaged me about it. And I don't know. I just, I felt very loved. It was not what I was expecting. I thought for sure that there would be someone who would just say something awful or mean, but it wasn't that way. And really it's because, um, I feel settled in it. I feel like we're at a place now where we've accepted it. Is that the right word? Yeah.
1: We're comfortable with where we're at.
0: So I posted that one day and I told Alan, (laughs) will you just hold off on posting like your story until tomorrow? Just so that we didn't have so many people like back and forth. I'm not on Facebook, so I don't get... I mean, I read his post, he just showed it to me, but, um, like I couldn't see what other people were saying or anything. Right. So anyway, do you want to read what your post was about on Facebook?
1: Sure. Mine's a smidge longer. Oh, jeez. <clears throat> I'll try to read quickly though. You can pump up the speed to 1.5 on your podcast stream.
0: Right. Because most of you know all this information. <laughs>
1: <laughs> December 19th at 428 PM. This is what I posted. This post will likely not be a surprise to some of you. Others may be shocked, sad, and even devastated, but I want to write this post to a third group, the group that will read this post and think, I don't get it, what's the big deal here? Whichever group you're in, strap in, this may take a while. If you're friends with me here on Facebook, you undoubtedly know that I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormon Church. I have been my entire life. Growing up in California, I loved being the Mormon kid. My beliefs made me different, and I loved that. My church and my beliefs that went along with that church shaped who I am today. It taught me that choices matter, that there is something greater than me. It taught me to love Christ, to put others first as Christ did. It taught me hard work. I'm talking hard work, not mow the lawn type of work. I'm talking move to Spain, learn the language, and try to convince lifelong Catholics to be Mormons type of hard work. I'm so grateful for those lessons that I learned. I'm grateful for my amazing mom and dad that taught me those lessons and brought this church into my life. They have always been such great examples to me, and I'm still trying to live up to that example. This church has been everything to me. My two best friends that helped me get through the tough teenage years came from this church. I got my taste of performing doing short musical roadshows at my church. My first kiss was on the way home from a youth meeting at the church. My love of music comes from the tens of thousands of hymns I've sung at church. My college degree comes from a church-owned university. I met my wife in the missionary training center where I trained to preach the gospel for two years in Barcelona, Spain. It's important I take the time to walk you through those lessons and experiences. I want to paint the picture of how important this belief system and belonging to this church has meant to me. I'm hopeful that this will help you understand how devastating it was to me when it all came crashing down. In 2014, I learned a few things from the official church website that shocked me. In parentheses. To show respect to those reading that are members of the church and listening here on this podcast, I won't be going into any details here in this post. They were things that I had not been taught growing up. It scared me bad, so badly that I built up some mental walls and put all of that newfound information up on a shelf. I doubled down in my church calling of elders quorum president and pushed forward. For the next two years, I experienced high levels of anxiety and depression. I took medication to help out for a good portion of those two years. Then, at the beginning of 2017, I took a look at my shelf and decided it was time to deal with this. It was time to really search, ponder, and pray about the things I had learned a few years prior. I was committed to following the truth wherever it took me, but the church was true, all of it. I was so sure that the more I researched, the stronger my testimony, the truthfulness of the church would become, so there was no risk whatsoever. That feeling was short-lived. Within weeks, the three things I had learned ballooned to dozens, dozens of problems with the history of this church I loved that I had never been taught. Scouring the church website, talking to my church leaders, calling old mission companions, praying, I had to find a reasonable explanation. The answers were out there. Why couldn't I find them? While there was a sense of shock and even betrayal that some of these things hadn't been taught to me, that wasn't the worst part of it all. Throughout my life, I had experience experience after experience where I felt the Spirit of God while learning or praying about the church. Some of those experiences now contradicted the new information I had learned. What was I to make of that? If the spirit was telling me one thing was true and the church now said something else was true how in the world was i supposed to figure this out did i misinterpret the feelings i had those feelings of the spirit were the entire basis of my belief at one point i looked at how other churches quote know they are the correct church those that claim to be the only truth use the same language i had used my whole life god had told them they had felt the spirit Oh, no. It hit me like a ton of bricks. What if I had come to unreasonable conclusions when I had these experiences? Shortly after that, it all clicked for me. This church that had taught me so much, that I had so many great experiences in, wasn't the true church I thought it was. It was no truer than any other church. Talk about a complicated conclusion to come to. I was devastated. The best comparison is that of a loved one dying. I mourned. I cried. I'm so lucky that I had a brother and a sister experience the same thing at the same time. Cameron and Charlene were such a support system for me through the darkest times. The support groups online were absolutely helpful, but having two siblings to lean on was huge for me. In the middle of all the trauma, something happened that I didn't see coming. All of a sudden, I looked around the world with completely different eyes. I had just realized that my religious tribe didn't have all of the answers. I wonder what made other people tick? What do others value or believe? I have been so obsessed with always being a good example, I completely ignored the great examples that surrounded me. That was 18 months ago. I remain starved for understanding others. I can't get enough of it. I try to learn from others and incorporate what I learn into my life. I try to pass that learning on to my kids. I've asked my Catholic neighbors what their thoughts are about the afterlife. I had a tough heart-to-heart with my gay neighbors about their experience living in Utah. I've listened to a podcast about Buddhism. I supported a co-worker by attending his non-denominational Christian church and watching um, him sing and play guitar. Last week, a good uh, neighbor of, of ours uh, had us over for the 8th night of Hanukkah and explained what it meant to him. I feel fed in these moments. Remember the beginning of this novel where I outlined many of the lessons I've learned in the church? If you've ever run into a pair of Mormon missionaries, you've probably seen firsthand another lesson that I've learned. The desire to share my beliefs, to do so without shame, no matter the consequence. That desire has only grown. Through some tough trial and error, I've learned some good and bad ways I can share my new beliefs. This remains the most difficult part of this entire transition for me. I want to be part of my local church community. I spent 18 months trying to make that work. I publicly shared my thoughts and perspective on a number of occasions. Some were received better than others. On a few occasions, the response I received made it clear to me that my views were no longer welcome. Two weeks ago, I stopped attending on, on Sunday. I still want to be there, not to be convinced to believe the way I used to be, to be a part of the community that has taught me so much, to sing and pray with my neighbors, to sit with my family and hold the hymn book with my kids and point to the words so they don't get lost. I want to be a different voice, not to point out how wrong everyone is. We grow when we hear a perspective we haven't thought about, I know there are differing views sitting with me in the room, but so many are unable to speak up about it. I want to be the one with the courage to speak up. In January 2018, my wife Katie showed me that same courage to speak up. She, she suggested that we start a mixed faith married podcast. We have released 17, now 18, episodes <laughs> and until yesterday had never made it public. If you want to hear about our marriage experience uh, over the past few years, listen to Marriage on a Tightrope. You can find it at org or the podcast app of your choosing. The podcast focuses on the marriage and is safe to both believers and non-believers. Big shout out to my friend Bill Reel for giving us a platform to reach other couples in our situation. His podcast Mormon discussions was instrumental in my faith transition. And I love being a part of his uh, podcast family. Radio Free Mormon, your phone calls over the past 11 months have been a godsend to my my friend. We have received emails from dozens, or excuse me, from hundreds of couples. We've had dinner with a few dozen. We've made some amazing friends through this experience. The biggest shout-out I have to give is to my amazing wife, Katie. This post has been all about me, but Katie has been by my side every step of the way. This has been tough for her. She has probably shed more tears than I have. Thank you for loving me, babe. Since I sat down in January, 2017 to figure this out, there hasn't been a single moment where I I felt our marriage couldn't make it. And that's because of you. You amaze me with your love of everyone, your undying dedication to your family and to your God. You continue to be the best example in my life. I love you. She's wiping tears just so everyone knows (laughs) to end this post. Finally, I want to address those that are still believing members of the Mormon church. I love you. I will never try to shake or break your faith. If the church provides you a path that speaks to you and, and, what, and that you value, it would be awful for me to try to strip that away from you. If you ever want to ask me questions about my journey, I'm an open book. No question is too personal. I love talking about this. I will be respectful. I will not try to convince you of anything. I will answer your questions honestly. If someone you know and love is in a similar situation, but you aren't sure how to talk to them about it, reach out to me. I'd love to chat. Let's wrap it up with one of my favorite uh, Brene Brown co- quotes. You either walk inside your story and own it, or you stand outside your story and hustle for your worthiness. And as of right now, there's 241 likes or reactions, only two sad faces and two shocked faces. Most of them are likes and hearts. (laughs) And I got, I think the most interesting part for me was the same thing you experienced, Katie, was the very respectful response from people and the me- private messages that I got. I got private messages from people I haven't even thought about in 20 years. Growing up in California, I got messages from people that had no idea that are still very active in the church and they just wanted to understand better. I did not uh, outside of one or two comments, but even those weren't very hard at all. No,
0: Cause you know them and you know where they're coming from. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh,
1: I mean, everybody was respectful and yeah. people, some people did express sadness uh, which is completely normal and natural. And I tried to respond respectfully saying, you don't have to be sad. I'm super happy and, and everything's great. And sugar plums and fairies.
0: I was pleasantly surprised that there were a few people that reached out to me because I'm not on Facebook anymore and they didn't see my Instagram post. And so they read Alan's post and they were like, Katie, what is going on? <laughs> how are you? Okay. is are, tell me, how are you dealing with all of this? And so that was actually really beautiful that they yeah. did that. And
1: so this, both of our posts were just in the last week. Mm-hmm. And the second uh, Christmas sacrament meeting that I attended today was in our last ward that I mentioned here in this post, where I was Elders Quorum President right before then we moved. And afterwards, they had a little get together, um, eating treats that people brought in the in the culture hall, which was great. And at one point, I found myself with one of my ex-counselors, so one of my counselors who was talking to me, a member of the stake presidency, the current bishop, and the bishop before him were all in a circle talking to me about my Facebook post and where I'm at. (laughs) And it was, it actually, I mean, it threw me, it didn't throw me for a loop, but it was just such a contrast. The last time I had been talking with all of them at once, I was in the ward and felt very differently than I did now. But they were so respectful, and no one was challenging me or even implying that I'm on the wrong path. They just expressed love maybe and they do care that in private concern. yeah maybe now that I've walked out I mean maybe, maybe they'll they'll do
0: they've done that in private, but that's okay because at least to his face they were <laughs> Uh, They were good enough to come and talk to you. I think that says a lot about them.
1: I really appreciated it because I can imagine how uncomfortable it may feel to look up and see, oh my gosh, there's Alan. Did you see his Facebook post? And not want to say anything.
0: Okay, but uh, uh, to your credit, I don't think that there are a lot of people who go back to... Go to a ward on an, on a Christmas Sunday, an old ward. Your family's not with you. I was like, oh, if you want to go, go ahead. I, I'll stay here with the kids because we had church early. Yeah, and so I just don't think that there are a lot of people who are quote unquote out that would make the choice to do that.
1: Well, thank you for saying that. I think... Right? No, I think you're it's right. It's an unusual situation. It is, uh, especially the week after I posted this. But it, I think it all goes back to that Brene Brown quote is, you just have to own your story. And and today, I did receive an invitation to go. And I said, you know what? Absolutely. If, if someone invites me to go, I can be myself and I can go. And um, I'm not threatening them. They're not threatening me. They're good friends. And so, I mean, it was... I don't know, it's it's one of those I can choose to ignore who I am or ignore the invitation or just say, you know what? I'm comfortable in my skin. And then all of a sudden you're surrounded by two bishops, a stake president, and, and a good friend of yours that served with you in Elders Quorum. But it was fine. It was totally comfortable.
0: I've said this in past episodes, but it always surprises me that people who I think are going to be judgy... <laughs> It's like hypocritical of me because I'm judging them. (laughs) I'm judging them on how they'll judge me and see my situation. When in fact, people that I thought that were going to be really judgmental because of quote unquote, their status in the church have been the opposite. And it goes both ways. But I think that just, if you decide that you are in a place where you can be brave enough to share your story and you don't have to, but especially after Alan and I shared our story on social media with all of our friends and extended family. And, um, I know that it's scary, but I would say do it when you feel settled in it. You'll know when the right time is. If you get nervous thinking about it, maybe it's not the right time. But a few people commented to me that they feel like they want to share it, but they're worried about how others will react. If you feel settled in where you're at, you're not going to care how people react. And that's the truth.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with that wholeheartedly. If you really want to make a splash and you want to, have your coming out party on this podcast, let us know. <laughs> Aw, awkward. Just kidding. We, have um, a few, we do have a few more uh, episodes, or excuse me, interviews already lined up that we'll get to once the uh, the holidays end.
0: We do. So I would like to end on one other story that I want Alan to share because I just oh love it. Okay. So the other, oh, it was about a month ago, and it was the last Sunday that Alan spent with us at church. But... It was snowing outside. We got to church. We went through sacrament meeting and Alan doesn't stay for the last two hours. So he left and we were still there. And I want you to take it away. Tell me about that experience.
1: Sure. sure. So I left. I left sacrament meeting and as I'm walking out, I love the snow. Having grown up on the beach in California, I mean the beach is great and I'm not complaining, but I never was in the snow. Wah. Oh, poor baby. <laughs> but um but walking out, I the snow is falling, I get in the car. I'm feeling a little dejected because I'm like that this this sucks. I'm I'm leaving my family. I'm walking away from them and I cuz mentally I just I it hurts my soul to be there. I can't be there the last 2 hours. And as I'm driving home, I we we live right next to a park and I see a park and there's a little hill and there's a few families that are sledding on the hill and I thought and it just made it worse. I just thought See, this is what I'm talking about. Like, this is what should be happening. I should be with my family. I should be sledding with my family or worshiping with something with my family. But I just couldn't do it. And so I keep driving home. I turn onto our street. And what do I see? I see my Catholic neighbor across the street and my gay neighbor from next door. And they're shoveling sidewalks. They've already done theirs and they're starting to shovel other people's sidewalks.
0: Who are at church.
1: Who are at church. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to throw myself a pity party. Here are two awesome men who have, without needing recognition, without complaining about, again, I've talked to the gay neighbor about their his experience being in here in Utah. Imagine it's not easy. And he's out there shoveling people's walkways that are out at church. And I, I was going to go to the gym and have some self-care time at the gym. And I said, I'm going to join them. So I threw on my my clothes, uh, my snow clothes, and I went out and we shoveled sidewalks together for, for you know, the next 30, 40 minutes. And then I went inside and I had a choice to make. I could be upset. When Katie got home, I could rant and rave to her on after her she got home with a, a primary meeting right after church, like, you've been gone all day and this is the day to be together and the church is tearing us apart and blah, 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 blah. But I said, no, we're going to go sledding. So as soon as the kids got in the door, I was already dressed in my snow gear. I said, get your snow clothes on. We're going sledding right now. And everybody got dressed and we all went over and we went sledding. And um, Katie drove by when her primary meeting ended and she looked over at us and waved. And I motioned to her to roll her window down and said, hey, we'll be home soon. And and one of
0: our kids was crying because she was so cold.
1: Yeah. Katie (laughs) got there right at the end. And so... One of our kids went went home with her, but it was just that. Again, I don't. It's very hard to do this consistently, but that day, it was such a good example of just choose to do the right thing. (laughs) Just choose to serve when you are able to do it, because it's not always easy. Sometimes you have to wallow in the difficult times. You have to allow yourself to grieve those difficult times. But in that moment, I just said, "No, I'm not going to get down on this." I'm going to to sled with my kids. And as soon as they came home, we did. And it was a really, really good Sunday.
0: And I think that it speaks back to what you put in your post about looking at the other examples. Because you were going to throw yourself a pity party. But here you are looking at the examples of our neighbors who are shoveling out people's walks and driveways while they're at church. How powerful is that? That they were they were the example to you that day.
1: Yeah, it's it's amazing. If... If, you, if I would have just put my head down and not noticed their example, I I would have missed it. I, I would have continued on my way of being just ticked off at life. And so I, that day, I was very grateful for their example.
0: I think that there's goodness everywhere. And especially around Christmas time, that's what we get to celebrate is the goodness of other people, of Christ, what he did for us and what we can do for others. And that's that's what we're trying to focus on. And so I hope that all of you are having a very Merry Christmas, that you enjoy your family time, and that whatever you find is of value to you, that you're doing that thing and you're living your best life. Every once in a while, I'll say to Alan, Alan, in this moment, are we living our best life? And that's what we want for all of you.
1: Thank you so much for listening. This is Marriage on a Tightrope. Follow us at tightrope.org. You can email us at tightrope.org or at gmail.com.
0: And again, we are on Instagram at marriageonatightrope. A rope, and our lesson is Mount. Look us up. <laughs> Feel free to follow us.
1: Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. And have a happy